When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's Flagrant Howls. Yes, coming at you live from Abu Dhabi for Wolves <laughs> preseason action. No, we couldn't quite fit that into the uh, Flagrant Howls budget here. But this is a huge week in Minnesota sports. We've got the Minnesota Twins taking yet another stab at ending the 0-18 historic playoff stretch. We've got Vikings getting on the board, Kyle. And the Chiefs on the horizon here with a Tony Romo, Jim Nance, national TV window, and the Timberwolves playing actual exhibition games in Abu Dhabi here. It doesn't get any better if you are a Minnesota sports fan. It really, tr- like, truly <laughs> it is exciting. Might get a little right? bit better, I guess. But yeah. Right. I mean, they could go, they could lose all these games. and But it, it really, when you think about, like, the end of July and August, how hungry you are for, I mean, I was, I think I might have been placing legal bets on, like, Australian Football League. I was just thirsty for any sport. So this is a really cool month. I know you're going to be doing a lot of stuff here at Score for the Twins these next couple of days. Can they break the schneid? Um, will Taylor Swift be in attendance this weekend for Chiefs Vikings? Yeah, a lot of engagement there. I don't know if you knew this, but she's dating Travis Kelsey. I'm not sure if the timeline told you that yet, but uh, yeah, it was the only know. coverage it's, of the football game last night that I could see. It's a little too convenient, though, that you know the M- NBC production team cuts to Taylor Swift with a bunch of other celebrities and then the first advertisement in the commercial break going out of the you know the segue is her new documentary coming out in theaters. You know, it all feels a little convenient for me but that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm pro Taylor Swift. I think the concerts look like a lot of fun. It looks just like organic happy people that just want to celebrate things, but I am so over it. I'm so over it, but I am definitely afraid to tweet about it because I thought like Delo fans were bad. I know when the Swifties get in your DMs and your mentions, it's over. So, oh wow, uh, have you had that? Have you with, had Swifties coming at you? Not with Swifties, because I learned my lesson with uh, Rustleys. But uh, I am—I'm uh, just going to stay away and keep my criticism to audio, because uh, this way I can't get replied and added yeah. all day long. I I like, some... It's like like ice in my D'Lo ice in my veins. Seventy-five, you know, eighty-four on Twitter. It's like where were you during that uh, playoff series? You know, the, yeah, I think it was D-Lo maybe was. after someone said that something about throwing my wife in a blender uh and dying when i was like oh you know what maybe i'll just stop tweeting about him so uh yeah, yeah that's a that's that's football and baseball talk but uh we do have some basketball stuff i think to get to we got to talk about the two yes. biggest journalists at media day yeah that would be uh the two of us just yeah. slinging the tough questions the entertaining questions yeah you and i so you were there and you and dane put out a great podcast a couple days ago so we're a few days later here uh, after the weekend's over, sort of digesting everything that we saw and heard at Wolves Media Day. I stuck around for about two hours of because we were all just like jammed in a room. Yeah, there's been times where they'll have Media Day out on the actual court and you can mm-hmm. kind of spread your wings and go station to station. This was like, hey, let's put 25 media members in a room, shut the door and just run a new player or executive or coach out every 10 minutes. Once we got past, like, Nikhil Alexander-Walker on the depth chart, that's when my attention span kind of went to shred. So I left. 
you stuck around, but we both have notebooks full of takeaways and thoughts from Wolves Media Day. So I don't know. You want to just like go take for take here? Do you want to, you can start us wherever you want to, Kyle? Yeah, no. I mean, so we're doing this podcast on a Monday, and just for I think some people like to know the behind the scenes stuff, but the Wolves had their media day last Thursday because then they left for Abu Dhabi on Sunday. They'll play the Mavs twice this week. So the Mavs had their media day on Friday. But if you're listening to this on Monday, your timeline's filled with all other 28 teams are doing media day today. So, yeah, you showed up. It was a, a pleasant surprise. I think the NBA Twitter account that has hundreds of millions of people tweeted out two or three videos that day of sound and video clips. And those were direct back and forth with Ant and Nas between the two of us. So, again, the two biggest journalists no. on the scene that day were uh, just, two just absolute, so happened to co-host yeah. Flagrant Howls. But, uh, you know, no, when, I, you're, when you're looking for the real gripping Barbara Walters, you know, emotional tug at the heartstrings interviews, you bring in Kyle and Phil. That's yeah. what you do for I a think media day. When I asked Nas how much he likes Lakes or Shake Milton to explain his uh, hatred for icing. That's when I really knew that I had I had made it as a journalist. But uh, the rest of the journalists in the room stood up and gave you a round of applause. I feel like. <laughs> so yeah. wow, so question. it did start with Tim Connolly. I think the biggest thing he said was just call a spade a spade, and he was like, "We have to win a playoff series," which mm-hmm. we all shook our heads in agreement. Yeah, uh, Finchie was pretty pretty business like. He it looked like he had just got done coaching a practice. He didn't have a lot to say, but I think you start at the top because you were in the room. Uh, you saw Cronthay Towns enter the room and leave the room. Uh, so I'll defer to you on what, what your biggest takeaway was from, from his comments or maybe his overall mood. Yeah, I will, uh, I will say this. I'm going to save the cat thing because I don't want to start the episode by okay. just complaining about cat. That's just – I'm going to go off-brand here and not start the episode complaining about Cronthay Towns. <laughs> he was the only one that really palpably brought the energy down for 10 minutes when he came in, but – I would say my biggest takeaway was just in the two hours I was in there, I must have heard the word maturity mm. no fewer than 15 times from mm-hmm. Tim Connolly, Chris Finch, you know, I think Jaden McDaniels, Kyle Anderson came in and said, you know, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he said, you know, upon reflection, eh, probably shouldn't have punched one of my teammates. That wasn't, that wasn't, just looking back on things, that wasn't maybe my brightest moment getting into a fight with a teammate. But, you know, Chris Finch mentioned maybe not leading the league in technical fouls this year, maybe not losing to 18 bad teams. You know, the Wolves probably could have won 55 games by just taking care of the Pistons and the Hornets and some of these other bad teams, the Rockets, right, whoever else they lost to. Um, so I think, the like, the maturity bin is emotional intelligence, not losing your cool with officials, not getting teed up not blowing 20-point leads, not taking a night off because it's New Year's Eve in Detroit, and not getting into fights with each other on the bench during must-win games toward the end of the season that they need to... Now, can you fix those things without just bringing new humans in? Like, can the same humans that were immature last year be more mature this year? I think that's my biggest question. But I like that everyone is sort of pointing at the elephant in the room and saying, yep, this is a thing... This is one of the main things that held us back last year. Kyle even had a comment that was kind of cool where he was like, no, no disrespect to those other teams. They're the bad teams. But he's like, if you beat the Hornets or the Wizards or a couple of those games we dropped to bad teams, we're also not in the position that we were to be in the play-in and have to play what ended up being the, you know, the, the champions in the Denver Nuggets. So 
I thought it was, again, the, the overall vibes, if you want the, the short version, was that everyone was pretty optimistic, and it sounds like they spent the summer kind of reflecting on they didn't meet expectations last year. They didn't handle the pressure well. They didn't handle all the stuff that came from the Gobert trade and and being a team that, you know, they, they didn't handle the 50 is nifty mantra very well. But they know that they're a pretty talented team. I mean, Finch even said it himself, like, if you thought we were the most deep team in franchise history last year, we're deeper this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's good. But how are you going to manage those expectations? And the expectations for this team locally is, again, like, you got you to gotta win a playoff series, like Tim said. But I think nationally, they're already kind of forgotten, right? Like, more teams have gotten had brighter off seasons or had bigger acquisitions which doesn't always translate to success but yeah I think Kyle echoed it a lot obviously Finch and and Tim but also Ant Rudy even too like they're no one was really pleased or proud of how last season ended whether it be punching walls punching teammates whatever so you would hope again that kind of builds into the vibes are about as strong as I've ever seen them you were there for hours like everyone was in a pretty good mood it makes you nervous that we're missing something. But for now, it seems like this is the team that's really excited to clean up their messes from last year and hopefully take this thing to an actual level that you can be proud of. Yeah, a couple of things from Finch, too. And and some of these probably fall under maturity, um, starting with Anthony Edwards. You know, everyone had praise for Anthony Edwards. But the one thing when Finch was asked, hey, what do you want to see him do differently or get better at? And I think it was kind of a defensive question. Um, and he said, how about not waiting for those high leverage moments to lock in on defense End quote that, that that's a, that's the direct quote from Finch, not waiting for those high leverage moments to lock in on D. Now, it is an 82 game season. There's going to be Tuesday nights in January where you're tired. You're on the back end of a four or five you know, game road trip. Um, it's just not like desperation time. And. As much as we like to romanticize about other great players historically in the NBA, Kobe Bryant and Michael Jordan and all these guys, right? Even the best players of all time aren't necessarily giving it a thousand percent on every possession defensively. But I think there's a lot more to even with like with that as sort of a baseline. I agree with Finch on this one. It's kind of an indictment when Anthony Edwards wants to play defense at that level. He can be one of the best perimeter and lockdown defenders in the league. Can we see it a little bit more often against the Pistons? Against how do you go from you know low 40s in win total up to 50-55? It's putting the clamps on the Pistons so that you're up by 25 points going into the fourth quarter, and now you get to rest for an extra 12 minutes, right? Yeah, yep. And I mean, Chris Chris Finch. This is why I'm pro Finch is that he doesn't have the resume that Steve Kerr or Eric Spolstra does. But hands down, really, truly, the coolest moment from Media Day was the back and forth between you and Ant when you got him to reshare those stories of like what it was like working out for the Warriors during the pre-draft process and Steve Kerr literally telling him like, we won't draft you. Like you're not working hard enough. And that's why when you talk to people, Finch himself, but other just literally like executives or assistant coaches and stuff, the relationship between Finch and Ant is really, really strong. I don't want to say like, I don't want to use the term father figure, but like Finch can talk to him like Spo or Kerr would talk to him and Ant, listens yeah um and i think you know ryan saunders was always deemed a player's coach because of his relationship i think you can be a player's coach but also kind of a tough guy and i I think that's what finch is so i always say you know finch didn't have the best year last year it was his worst coaching year since he got here but 
his relationship with Ant far exceeds, you know, what what kind of plays they run out of an, a timeout or, you know, some rotation stuff. Like if Ant and him get along and he Ant can get pushed by Finch and take hard criticism, that's way more important to me. And that's why I, I think Finch should stick around for a while. So yeah. it was really enlightening to just see, again, spending some time with those legendary coaches this summer getting more and more like you need to keep working harder like you said you need to be as locked in on january 8th against the pistons as you are in april against the grizzlies in the playoffs yes actually a couple things off that so on on the finch side of things even though there's been some turmoil and the the team didn't live up to the expectations and i remember even just you know myself on this show and on some of our other podcasts on score north i've had questions over the last couple years at times about I know Chris Finch knows basketball. I know that he has a place very high up on an NBA bench pecking order. And I've always wondered the last couple of years, is he just a great offensive coordinator? And maybe that's the ceiling. Or can he be a top 10, you know, top eight NBA coach? And, and part of that is, can you, even through adversity, can you still maintain the trust and the respect of an NBA locker room? Because tons of egos, tons mm-hmm. of money, it's players who are probably way too young to be getting $25, $30 million put in their bank account. And just like players have so much leverage in basketball. And that's why coaches get fired on a dime. But how many players came through media day and just unprompted, they weren't even asked about Chris Finch and they would mention him with a respectful tone. Like Mike Conley comes up and talks about the synergy between him and Finch and how Finch lets Finch trust that he can just call the right action as it needs to be called uh, by the point guard. Like, so I, I sense that he has not lost the team at all, or at least the majority of the team. I guess we didn't like do a survey, you know, one through 15 down the, uh, the list, but players really respect him. And then on the back and forth, when I asked Anthony Edwards about, cause that's the, that's the thing I was the most curious about with his FIBA world cup experience. You're spending so much time around some of the best coaches in today's NBA. I mean, you're literally spending time around the Mount Rushmore, uh, the coaches that are going to be in the Hall of Fame mm-hmm. in 15 years from now. Spolstra, Kerr, wasn't wasn't uh, Tyron Lue one of the coaches yep. too? Yep. Mm-hmm. So these are literally like, like basketball Hall of Fame coaches. And these guys are heaping praise upon him. Spolstra's comparing him to Dwayne Wade. Steve Kerr is saying things about him that, you know, I think Wolves fans would only dream of. And the fact that Anthony Edwards seems to respect Chris Finch's word in the same way that he respects Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra's word is, I think, really complimentary to the relationship building side of Chris Finch. And it, it's always like been a fine line for me because I'm, I'm proud of it. Like I'm a fan. Like that's kind of why I do this is from a fan angle. But I now have access to things like the locker room and I have access to these guys. So that's always been my point is that it's bigger than just if the players you know there's a lot of times right you know this through all of the sports you've covered that like players like the coach but the coach isn't a good coach like sometimes you like the babysitter because the babysitter lets you stay up till 12 and yeah. eat a bunch of skittles um but that's not good uh and sometimes you hate the babysitter because they make you go to bed at eight and that might not be good either i think finch does a really good job of balancing both i mean if you, if you want to know if chris finch knows hoops or knows ball go read one of the five piece articles that he did with Britt robson because that's mm-hmm. just basketball written porn. Like, that is just real two basketball nerds talking it up about hoops. Um, but if you want to know more about kind of how Finch manages a locker, I mean, I thought he gave a lot of leadership quotes when he when we had him on this pod, when Dane had him on in the summer. 
he talked about how he had this really cool line about how like money or things that like make you not yourself are like money, alcohol, and fame, and trying to make sure that those things don't change Anthony from the type of person he really is. Yeah. And that is a guy that defers all the attention and stuff to his teammates. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up Mike Conley because Mike was, this is Mike's first media day for the Wolves, but it's his 17th media day, which yeah. means he's played for a lot of guys. And his relationship, I think he said this, like a direct quote, that the relationship between the point guard and the coach is the most important relationship on the floor. Mm-hmm. And that's true, 100%. And it also, you know, not all of the issues last year were D'Angelo Russell related by any means. He just wasn't the right fit. But I know to a T that the relationship between that point guard and that coach was not great. Locker room, yeah. on the court, whatever. So I think they have a better fit at that role. And now Mike will be tasked with being this team's veteran, their quarterback, all that stuff. But there's going to be a big amount of pressure on Mike Conley this year to keep this team together. And I think he, I think he's the right guy for the job. Adult in the room, man. Yep. He's an adult in the room. Mm-hmm. Literally, like he's, he might be older than, like if we went through a list of current Timberwolves assistant coaches, there might be one or two that are like the same age or slightly younger than, uh, than Mike Conley. Yep. So it's, and you can just feel it. It's palpable. He, he just has a vision for what winning basketball should look like. Now, obviously, he's never won a championship, but um, he's... I, I said it at the time of the trade, and people kind of clowned me like, well, are you saying Conley's better than D'Lo? I mean, Conley's a better fit for this team than D'Lo. Conley's a more mature, professional point guard than D'Lo. Maybe D'Lo has more skills because he's younger, and I don't know. But when they put the ball in Conley's hands, too, and said, hey, we need you to score a little bit more because we've got some injuries, he was able to rise up and do some of that, too. So now who's like who's the next guy behind Mike Conley at some point? Who's going to be playing that role in two years? We don't know yet. They have to figure that out. But you could just tell, like, even just the way that they deal with the media. Uh, th- there's some guys, Kyle Anderson, Mike Conley, even Anthony Edwards. There is a there is a for as much as we were sort of having fun with our leadership power rankings a year ago, kind of almost tongue in cheek. But like, we're like, who's the leader on this team? I don't know. Torian Prince. Is he the leader of this team? With Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson and, and Anthony Edwards emerging, it feels like the top of the leadership pecking order is much stronger than it was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I, we'll probably update our power rankings as the season gets ready, but I'm mm-hmm. comfortable just spoiler alerting this now that number one, I think number one at the top of it is Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. I think he has surpassed Kyle Anderson. Um, obviously, there's no more Torian Prince. Mike Conley is not the best, second best, third, fourth best player on the team. He might not even finish this season in top six in minutes. I don't know, but there's a lot of other stuff. You named some guys. I mean, even when you, you had left by this point, but even like a Jalen Clark uh, had referred to him as Uncle Mike. Like there's a lot of different guys. Um, I'll be interested when I finally get back into the locker room for after a game or something to see where they put Mike's locker this season because that's always a big thing, and I bet you it's close to Ant. But Mike Conley is going to be play a really, really big role in this team because he and also he wants to win. And he said, like, I'm cool. if This is Tim Conley said, I want this to be Mike's last stop on his journey. Uh, I don't think this is just a one year thing. I think they would like to have Mike be the point guard for the future. I know he's 35, but, you know, Drew Holiday is going to get another extension and got traded for a lot. So and he's 35. So mm-hmm. they might they might actually have their point guard for this season and the future. And it's going to be imperative that he brings a level Torian Prince was a good leader I think D'Lo was even a good leader to some point but uh I think they also brought some edginess 
This is probably the nicest team the Wolves have ever had. So maybe that'll translate into some more less toxicity and more positivity. Yeah. Hey, a couple other things, too, just throwing stuff out from uh, the, the Finch part of the press conferences. I'm going back to those parts of my notes. One thing he'd like to see the team do better or do differently is play like a big team should, quote unquote. Literally, he literally said, play more like a big team should. Pound the glass. But they had to make so many sacrifices last year. At least they thought, because we're getting smoked in transition. Okay, let's let's forget about offensive rebounding. I don't know how things are going to be different in that regard, because they're still going to have two big guys on the court for the majority of the game, especially if they're going to try and get Nas Reed, you know, 18 to 25 minutes a night. So I thought that was interesting. Um, and then he also commented on the addition of Corliss Williamson to the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. We talked about this last year a little bit, and that you know, no like disrespect to the Wolves' assistant coaches, but there weren't. You look at some of these benches, and it's like, God, there's like NBA champions on the bench. There's guys who played 15 years in the league, like Sam Cassells and stuff, like up and down the benches. And the Wolves' assistants, it just there wasn't like that clout as much. Well, Corliss Williamson played what 12, 13 years in the NBA. He was uh, in the season where the Detroit Pistons beat the Lakers for the NBA championship. I think the Wolves would have won that championship if Sam Cassell hadn't gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. But he played the full season as a 20 minutes per game off the bench role player. He was a good, solid power forward for over a decade in the NBA. Like I said, championship cred, played for Rick Adelman and those Sacramento Kings teams in the late 90s. And then he played for the, the champion Detroit Pistons. So like that dude, when he sits you down, if you're Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert and says, hey, I've got some thoughts here. It comes from a championship place. And maybe I'm just being like Wolves Homer guy or pie in the sky. But I think a presence like Corliss Williamson as an assistant could actually move the needle a little bit. I think it could matter. No, you're not wrong. It does matter. And uh, so Thursday was me today. Friday, I went to training camp. It was like the first official day. And one of the people we got to speak to officially on the record in the scrum was Micah Nori. Um, I will say Micah might be one of the best, if not the best assistant coach in the league. He just isn't as known about as sometimes when you see a former champion who, you know, who is this the second hand to a Doc Rivers or something. So I do think they have some really good head coaches or assistant coaches, but I'm with you on the Corliss Williamson one. Sometimes having that player that X player is really big. And I also know that the addition of him has shifted. Uh, a lot of times as a player, you'll have like a designated player or a, a assistant coach who you're doing all your workouts with and warmups and stuff. And it's shifted around a little bit. They have a guy on the, on the staff named Moses, who I think now just, he is like a walking embodiment of caffeine, just a lot of energy, super good guy. But I think this year now, like he's going to be doing one-on-ones all season with Wendell Moore. And just knowing Moses a little bit, like that's the type of guy Wendell needs to build up his confidence. I watched Wendell Moore make 18 threes in a row at the end of practice. And I'm, I'm back. I know we're not going to go deep into that stuff right now, but I'm back on his, his, you know, future. I think if he just had a little more edge and a little more competitiveness to himself. So yeah, I think the bet, the more I've always said, like the more assistant coaches you have, the better, right? Just have more guys in there that can give their opinions. Um, so that was a good acquisition. Yeah. Okay. What about uh, the Anthony Edwards portion? I know we talked about the like you know the Steve Kerr, Eric Spolster stuff, but what else stood out to you when Ant took the podium? Um, what, what do you want? He's perfect. I mean, he just he continues to get it. <laughs> Right. My my big fear has always been the first year you had with Ant was over Zoom. So he wasn't even in the room with real people. 
uh, and he just let it rip. And I always was concerned that just the, not Wolves PR, good people, but PR in general would get to him and kind of, you know, don't say that. There's no value in you being super honest. But he continues to be super honest, and he also just continues to defer to his teammates without... You can ask Anna a question about what he had for lunch, and he's going to tell you how important it is that Rudy gets his supplements, right? Like he, yeah. So I think that's a really cool thing, and it also is what you expect. I mean, being a franchise guy or the face of the franchise isn't just being the one that the mural's painted out of. It's also like the guy that everyone looks up to. And I, I think now as we enter year four, even if you're older than Ant and damn near everyone on the roster is, uh, they look up to him and trust that, you know, he's going to have my back. He's going to defend me. And he has such a way of with words that he he's he might be the only one on planet Earth that can make Rudy Gobert cool again or make you like Rudy Gobert. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll make Rudy cool again. Like, let's go. So I thought he said everything great, well. Yeah, he. I think the the part of his personality that I love the most, or like, like the part of him being a good teammate, I guess, that stands out the most is – He's constantly deflecting credit, and uh, he shoulders blame, deflects credit, and then looks for ways to empower teammates, even if that's not what the direct question was, which you kind of alluded to. You know, like you could ask him a question about what he had for lunch, and he'll talk about Rudy Gobert's supplement routine or whatever. Yep. You know, he uh, here's another quote that I wrote down from Ant. Somebody asked Ant about, I think about Ant. And then Ant turned it into a Jaden McDaniels commentary. And he said, Jaden is the most important player on the team because he has the most potential. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if he feels like Jaden needs to hear it or if Jaden needs a little bit of a bump confidence wise, whatever it is. But he senses, I need to put this out there. Not to put pressure on him, but like maybe, maybe he needs to be nudged a little bit. The Rudy Gobert thing. I think he senses that people are down on Rudy Gobert. And people have made a thing about Anthony Edwards' lack of delivering the ball to Rudy Gobert on the inside on pick and rolls, right? Uh, the lack of lobs from Anthony Edwards to Rudy Gobert. And so I think he, I mean, there's really two ways around that. You can either keep ignoring him till he gets traded off the team, or you can try to lean into it and, and make it happen. And I feel like he, I don't think it's fake that Anthony Edwards is thinking about how to pump up his teammates at age 22, you know that's a, that's that's pretty incredible perspective. And in the no, he didn't obviously he didn't pump up anyone more than Jaden by saying he's literally the most important player on the team. Because I had asked and directed, I was like, "You signed an extension this summer. You're here for a while. Nas signed an extension. You know how important it is to get Jaden signed?" Uh, and I have a comment on that in a sec. But he was like, "It's the most important because he's the most important." So, but he also didn't pump up anyone's tires more than Cat. And I think someone in the back was like, Hey aunt, like, do you feel pressure now? Like, how, like, do you feel expectations? And he's like, I don't feel any pressure. I don't, I'm not worried about that. Cause I got cat. And that's when he talked about cat mm-hmm. shooting the piss out of the ball and things. But I mean, he, he really, and I, it's not hollow. That's the one thing you can, you know, if you're new to this, this isn't hollow. This is, Ant's not. And I say this with literally the most respect, like Ant's not smart enough to fake quotes, but not like in a dumb way. It's just, he, he doesn't, he, Sometimes that actually makes you dumber to be like fed what you're supposed to say. And he's says not conniving. What he he's not being conniving. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And so when he says like cat, um, cat's going to battle for MVP, he means it. And that's really cool. So will he? I don't know. But you're starting to see him embrace more of a leadership role. 
and again, what he says and does at 22 is out of out of this world because I've got some stories from when I was 32, let alone 22. Yeah. So he gets it, and that's what's really cool. And that came out. I don't know. Sometimes he is a little more quiet because I think people are in his ear to just hey, don't say that. He was loud and boisterous on Thursday, and I think he's ready for this next step. I mean, this is a big year for him. Uh, he's got 50 million dollars on the line, whereas if he makes All NBA, his contract's going to go skyrocket because of that whole all nba clause so yeah. he knows it's a big year for him he's got his shoe he's got his movie and now he has his own team and really as cliche as it is the sky's kind of the limit for for him and this team God, another word that i would use just thinking about anthony edwards in that room and even mike conley and then we can do the cat thing here is energy anthony edwards comes into a room and you can feel the positive energy you can mm-hmm. feel you can feel his enthusiasm. You can feel his optimism, his leadership. Mike Conley, too. Conley's a little bit more subdued and chill, I guess, is a word mm-hmm. I would use compared to Anthony Edwards. But it's like this gravitating calmness. You know, mm-hmm. you just kind of want to, like, be around that energy. And I guess I, I wish the audience could be in the room if we could go back and like bring the flagrant house audience into the room so you could feel and there was probably only like again 20 or 30 people in that room including like media uh, like camera people in the mm-hmm. back writers you know, podcast idiots like us and then some wolf staff pr people whatever and like ant comes in and it's this joyful energy and conley comes in and it's this like calming professional energy I would say the same thing about Kyle Anderson, you know, comes in. It's just this. I don't know if he was just having a weird day or that's why I'm sort of excited to be back in town. I'll be in the room a little bit more often for some of these press conferences. But like Carl Anthony Towns, 10 to 15 minutes was just weird energy. Sometimes he just brings weird energy. That's my take. And I will not push back at that because I was in the room. It was a little combative. It was like it's like first day of school. Here we go. And for him, it was like. I don't know. It was just like this kind of mopey sort of uh, gray energy. That's the way I would explain it. And we're not breaking news here. Like all these, all these. Uh, if you don't know, all of the interviews of all 15 players plus Finch and, and Tim Conley are on YouTube. So you can go watch them mm-hmm. for yourself. Um, but first, subscribe and rate uh, to Flagrant House. But he literally did walk in the room with a smile on his face and then like turn the corner in that room we're in and then kind of like turned it off, right? And then when he like was leaving the room, I mean, I talked to someone close to him after that and like talking about basketball. And he, he was saying that like, Carl's so excited for the season. He's like enjoying basketball again. But during that moment when he was on the set or on the stage, he was weird. And I chalk it up to just my conspiracy, Kyle, is that it's just the complete polar opposite of what he spent his summer doing. So if you're listening to this, like, oh, was Carl not in a good mood? Does he want to be traded? I think it has nothing to do with the team, his teammates, the, the organization. I think he just got made fun of so much because he was trying to be himself or fun Carl on Paul George's pod or saying that the play-in game was just as as big as winning a title and all that stuff and then was so ridiculed that he basically came in and was like, I'm not giving you anything. And it's like, okay, well, there's got to be a, a, a middle point between zero and 100 that we could settle on. But, but like- that's kind of how I took it is that he just came in and was like, you know, if you, if you didn't like me when I was being fun, then fine, I just won't be fun. I'll just be like this. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Like, and that's where there's like a little bit of a there's a social sense that that goes into great leaders mm-hmm. for the for the most part. You know, Anthony Edwards has this really mature, advanced social sense, I feel like, for a 22 year old. Mm-hmm. 
let's go back real quick because you brought up the of, of a, a lot of the things Carl said sort of made the rounds on social media. And, you know, there was like four or five different things that he said between the GQ interview and some of the podcasts. But when he said what well, it was on Pat Beverly's podcast, right, where he said that the Wolves getting to where they got to is a greater accomplishment than the Nuggets winning a championship. If you are going to say that out loud on a podcast, it has to be with some humor or it has to be mm, with some mm-hmm. like self-awareness of, all right, guys, <laughs> guys, not that I'm like perfect and deliver everything perfectly, but like if you're going to say something that 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 might be construed as outlandish, don't you have to flag it that way before you say it? All right, guys, hey, this is going to sound crazy. But based on the Wolves franchise history, and I've been part of it, you know, like a little bit of self-deprecation, but it comes from this place of almost hubris sometimes or defiance. And so there's like there's like a, a social chip missing there sometimes that I think if he were to either think about it or if he had it, I think he would probably avoid some of the scrutiny that he gets from people like us and people around the you know NBA media sphere. And that's what I don't I don't push back on any of it. I just I've got to know Carl well enough now doing this for seven years that and he's been around for all those seven years is that he's just said some things that have shot himself in the foot. I don't think anyone all the way up to Finch and even Tim Conley made maybe like a offhand joke about it earlier this summer on some media thing. There are just times where Carl has said some stuff that are that are very silly and not right. But as someone who does say a lot of silly things. And yeah, is ri- I rarely do too. Right. I'm wrong all the time. So I, you know, I, I just I will say this, in, and I'm not trying to defend him because I don't really need to defend anyone. I just this is how I see it. I think Carl's to the point now where he nothing he can say will be re- registered well or welcomed well. I mean, like you know, we were so on him for being the super super positive or for all the stuff he said that was way up here, and then he came in on the complete opposite, and we criticized him for that too. Not criticize him, but just call a spade a spade. So. I don't know what Carl can say at this point that we're going to be like, I mean, cause some people are just so over him now. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I, I don't mean you or me, but I, I find, I think he's painted himself into a difficult corner where now, even if he's just trying to be himself, that he's not going to win, but you know what? Maybe that's fine. I always reference this random game against the bucks a couple of years ago where he got criticized for saying some crazy stuff. He came in and he just played basketball yeah. and he was at that point in that night against I think the defending champion Buxer, he was the best player on the court. And Giannis was there too. So um, if he just focuses on being the best 1B he can be, or hell, if he wants to be the best player on this team, that's not a bad thing because Ant's going to be going neck and neck with him. So it wasn't, yeah, just a weird vibe from him. Luckily that started it all off because after that, I mean, we're not going to really get into the bottom guys that aren't going to be rotation players, but I think Leonard Miller is a really cool dude. I think Josh Minot is really mature. I was reminded... Uh, that Josh Minot cannot legally drink. That's how young he is, even though it feels like he's been here for a while. But um, yeah. I had one more note because we, we danced around it a little bit. And now as we're recording this, there was some related breaking news. But the other thing we asked a lot of people about was Jaden's contract because he is eligible for a contract extension. Tim Conley seems very bullish that it'll get done. Finch wants it done. His teammates want him here. As we're recording this, Spurs guard Devin Vassell agreed to a five-year, write this down, $146 million contract Ooh. extension. Wow. So if you're wondering why Ooh. the Jaden one hasn't been done yet, just giving you some tidbits here. Boy. It's because this one was going to come out, and it's going to be north of that. So if you're trying to balance the books here, I just so want to So $25 a year. $25 million a year. 
right? No, if he gets well, five, five for one forty six is like thirty five million a year, right? Yeah. So, so he's going to get north of thirty, thirty five million a year, Jaden. I'm just telling you what I know. So that is so five for one forty six is twenty nine point two million a year. Okay. And Jaden McDaniels, Devin Vassell, by the way, good player for the Spurs, good player. Um, yeah. In the same draft class as Ant, as Jaden, as Desmond Bain, who got a max. I would imagine that the reason this has not been done yet isn't by a lack of interest. It is he's probably just saying, why not just give me the max? And you, <laughs> I don't know how you can do he's that. He's not a max player yet, though. That's the thing. Right. It's well, like, I'm just, again, just, just the reporter here. Can just you pay it. him what he could be worth if he were? There's a lot of coulds and ifs when it comes to that type of money. Right now, twenty million a year for an excellent defensive player who can contribute offensively. Okay, that's yeah, that's life in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Twenty-five, thirty, thirty-two million dollars a year on kind of a hope and a whim that he can get to that next level. Uh, I think a deal will get done with him. I looking back at Tim Conley's track record of just not feeling pressured. I mean, you know, people thought he had to extend or move Delo last offseason because yeah. like, well, you have the other four core pieces here you got to lock up this fifth one he's like no i'm good and he waited until the thursday of the trade deadline to move off of him nas reed is a great example right like they didn't get a deal done with nas during the season they waited until 48 hours before free agency starts they got that done so even if Jaden doesn't sign in october he's a restricted free agent you figure it out then i don't think Jaden mcdowns is going anywhere but for the ones who are wondering why it's not done yet i think it's stuff like today where his number is about as close to a max as 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 possible and you got to negotiate that stuff and that stuff can always get you know a little terse boy that is well one thing we know for sure is that if that contract happens jade mcdaniels is the one that's going to be buying us some stuff at power lodge and miller marine <laughs> all right uh so you know we're getting into even though it's like 87 degrees here in the twin cities we are getting into fall and eventually winter temperatures and uh, wilderness season. Minnesota's CF Moto Superstore is Power Lodge. And since they buy more, you save more. Power Lodge has great deals right now. 4x4 starting at $45.99. And CF Moto Off-Road and Side-by-Sides. No matter how tough the job, if you're out trying to get some work done, Power Lodge and their five locations have you covered with three-year warranties on select units as well. So check them out at PowerLodge.com and millermarine.com locations in Ramsey, Sauk Rapids, Anamia, St. Cloud, and Brainerd. And, uh, yeah, the 4x4s are going to be on uh, Jade McDaniel's tab. That's uh, M-C-D-A-N-I. Just put yeah, it on his I tab feel like for we, us. I deserve a free 4x4 or four-wheeler from Jaden for the propaganda. But uh, You should I, get a commission for sure. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Absolutely. Did uh did you have any I had one other person again go listen to some of the the lesser guys Jordan McLaughlin mm-hmm. came in was really cool has a chip on his shoulder I think Shake Milton is going to be a great interview but also is going to be a really really important player for this team almost to the point where I would just 
maybe predict that he's like sixth in the team in total minutes this year. I mean, I think he's going to have a huge role as a backup mm-hmm. point guard and stuff. Did you have one other guy you wanted to comment on? Because I had one, but I would say like we haven't really mentioned Rudy Gobert at all. Like we've okay. mentioned him peripherally, but I thought you know. He, I thought there was half a chance he might have heard some of the chirping and some of the noise and the criticism, and he might have come in all pouty face. But he seemed pretty refreshed. I was pleasantly surprised with he was pretty refreshed. He was pretty honest and frank about, you know, some of the things that maybe didn't go well last year. Um, I don't know that he's at this point. He's not 27 years old anymore, so I don't know that he's going to ever get back to like the peak version of Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. But he did get up there and seemed like. You know, he seems healthy. He seems refreshed. And he did take issue when somebody asked him, like, hey, you said you weren't going to play in the World Cup. And then you did. He was like, I never said that. Well, like, and you he's right, because he never actually said that. But it was yeah, a weird He did say question. he was contemplating maybe not playing in the World Cup. But he got very defensive about that. He loves playing international basketball, obviously. And, and he explained why it matters and stuff. Um, but I had to, there was a front office person, because they're all in the room or whatever, but that told me outside when I was getting food that, like, Rudy's been really reflective this summer, and that kind of ties into what Kyle's been saying too. Uh, but the the best Rudy Gobert quotes I thought came from Luca Garza, who was towards the end of the day. Uh, they're friends. I think Matt Ryan, Luca Garza, and Rudy are all kind of friends. They went and worked out with him in in Europe prior to the start of the World Cup. But uh, Luca Garza raved about his body transformation and how he looks, and tying or crediting a lot of it to Rudy. Because he's like, I've never, I mean, I've been in around basketball my whole life. He's like, I've never seen someone work out and have a regiment like Rudy Gobert. Uh, and I asked Luca straight up, I was like, do you think being buddies, like, that he seems more comfortable here in year two? And he was like, absolutely. So that might be a good thing as well, is that maybe Rudy came in with just, you know, and the team didn't do him any favors by propping him up, saying we're going to un- unlock Rudy, uh, Rudy Elijah and all this stuff. So yeah. maybe he's another one that could reflect back and just be like, you know what? I'm here to get rebounds, set hard picks, and defend the rim, uh, and we'll see that. But the guy that I wanted to mention quick was uh, just in general, if you have one player you go watch their interviews, go watch Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Yeah, I think he is 24, 25. 25. He gave one of the – you. if you don't know how this works, a lot of times these guys just don't want to answer the questions very deeply, and you could give him a question, again, like what did you have for lunch, and he would explain to you – the importance of oregano in the dish. He gave some of the best answers I've ever heard. I didn't know this until that day, but this will be the first time Nikhil starts a new season with the same coach that he finished the last season with. (laughs) Wow, dude. Uh, I think his relationship with Finch, who coached him in New Orleans during his rookie year when Finch was down in New Orleans. uh, I think Nikhil, we all saw it for Canada, but Nikhil is going to be an integral part of this team, and he is not... I mean, he just got paid, but, you know, he didn't get a max contract by any means. It's not a life-altering money in terms of NBA money, but he's not here to get stats. And he, he's, he's like, I was younger. I was trying to get buckets. I was trying to do like, I just want to do that dirty thing, that dirty thing, that dirty thing to help the team win. Yeah. Uh, so if I had a new uh, crush, it would be Nikhil, because I think that guy has really also been reflective about his career thus far, even in his mid-20s. And that's the type of guy you want in your foxhole when you're when you're kind of going to war yeah i think um you know you need you need your anthony edwards carl anthony Towns, sort of superstar level players to do superstar level things and then you need everyone else to sort of without ego do their job or do a dirty job right or do something that, that doesn't involve scoring or having an offense run through you and be okay with it 
Pat Bev just did a podcast recently with Spencer Dinwiddie, and they talked about hierarchy. And have you ever been on a team where like the players didn't really accept the hierarchy? And how does it's a really great listen from two guys that have been and are in the league. But it got me thinking about Nikhil because Nikhil came in and basically said, I know exactly where I am on this hierarchy mm-hmm. and I'm cool with it. And again, that's not something you can see on basketball reference or it's not something that the average fan, myself included, can always see or feel. But hierarchy matters and he knows where his place is on it and he's going to be a really big piece of this team moving forward. Yeah. Well, the hierarchy here on Flagrant Howls, Kyle <laughs> is the cat blended with Anthony Edwards. I am the Nikhil Alexander Walker, Mike <laughs> Conley. I'm like the Mike Conley. I'm here. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to put the ball in play. I'm going to go through you my rotation. If the ball comes back to me, I might have a hot take in the corner, you know. Might clank one once in a while, might sit out with an injury, scratchy throat, you never know. But you're know, really he, just here leaning on our Anthony Edwards, our Carl Anthony Towns, Kyle. All jokes aside, this whole podcast goes because of you uh, and the leadership that you have as the top of the leadership power rankings. But I will say it was also cool, too, because you and I, that was our first real Timberwolves event together. Uh, you, you let me cover the games last year for the playoffs and stuff. So the amount of people that listen to this podcast that are employed by that team uh, was, was pretty cool. So uh, it's been cool what we built, and it all goes back to everyone listening to this. So thanks, thanks for the support, and I think we're going to be, what, kicking this up now when the season starts, like twice a week again? Right? We will be, yeah, sometime. Yeah. So the first game is like less than a month because it's like last week of October. So once the season starts, this will the, the Kyle Phil episodes will be twice a week. And then we may even be mixing in like a third, fourth episode cool. where I have a take that I bounce off Judd and then Judd <laughs> just rips on Carl Anthony Towns or then, and then they get mad at us and around we go. But yeah, there will not be a lack of Timberwolves content Sweet. here on Flagrant Howls and the Score North YouTube channel. So And yeah. we'll try to mix in a we'll try to I've been working on something that I need Phil's approval on, but we'll try to go live or a couple times after games. So yes. for those that are like, hey, when are you gonna let the fans come in and stuff, we've got a we've got a wine line. Spell it how you want. Uh, but we've got a wine line in the works. So, we'll, yes, we'll, we, uh, we'll go live a couple times. A red wine line is what it's going to be on Sunday. Yeah, W H I N E if they lose and you're mad. W I N E if they win and you just want to get drunk and, and say some things. So, thank you guys. Yeah, please click the subscribe button and the like button on the Score North YouTube channel. And a five star rating and a positive review on Apple and Spotify can help us grow the community here on Flagrant Howls, which is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast.